welcome to our service at Christ Church this morning. We look forward to Dan, Dan Parnell, speaking to us later in the uh, service this morning. We're following through the theme, uh, the character of Christ, and Dan is speaking to us this morning on the humility of Christ, and we look forward to, to you speaking to us, Dan. Before we go any further, shall we come before God as a company of his people to confess the things that have gone wrong, to confess the things that are not right in our lives, and to bring them before him, anything that's come between him and us. God shows his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. And so may the God of love and power forgive us and free us from our sins, heal and strengthen us by his Spirit, and raise us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you like me, but when you see on the, uh, on, on, in the media or on Twitter, uh, Christians arguing, uh, whether your thoughts are ever like mine, maybe they're arguing over um, some theology, maybe they're arguing over some practice, uh, maybe they're arguing with each other or just with uh, somebody who's not a believer. But my thoughts often go to, can't they just be peaceful rather than argue? Sometimes I think, what they're arguing about just isn't important, is it? Maybe, it's, maybe they're not even correct in what they're saying. They need to think of things my way. Can't they be more like me? We're on our second week of this a new series looking at the character of Christ. And as Chris said last week when introducing the series, we're trying to get underneath the skin of Jesus the man and trying to see the look on his face and hear the tone in his voice. Today we are looking at the humility of Christ. And I pray that through this reflection we can get 
to understand a little of his humility. Our passage today is written to show us how to deal with others, and it is written by Paul in the context of quarrels within the church in Philippi, and its purpose is to help the church to better understand how to maintain that unity. Now, as I go through the passage, I'm going to look at this journey of Christ in three stages. And the first stage is this. The one who was God became a slave. He was God. That was his starting position. He didn't need to grasp it. He already had it. He didn't need to cling to it. He chose not to, in fact. He chose to let it go or to not use it to his own advantage. He let go of all the divine privileges that came with being God. I think about, when I was thinking about this, I compared it to the story of Adam, who of course lived in perfection, but still wanted to grasp at more. And that may be our response as well, if we're honest, isn't it? Um, you see it most simply in a child who, after a ride on the fairground, their first response is, can I have an ice cream now? Um, and, and I think I can be like that. Yeah, God, yeah, thanks for that prayer, but can I have this and this and this and this? But that was not the behaviour of Jesus. Instead, he emptied himself and became nothing, made that choice. And in emptying himself, he became truly human. But it did leave something, room for something else, his divin divinity. He remained God while also being fully human, a paradox that I'm afraid we don't really have time to go into today. But he was quite definitely found in human form, even though he was God seems he didn't look special and I wonder whether based on his appearance we would have even let him in to the church today then they scoffed he's just a carpenter the son of Mary and then he became a slave when you think of that word in your mind maybe you're taken back to ancient slaves whipped into building the pyramids or African slaves beaten into growing cotton or modern slaves, tricked and trapped into prostitution. That was the position that Jesus willingly chose. That, for me, is his humility. My mind is drawn to the Last Supper, where he took the towel, got down on his hands and knees, and washed the dirty and smelly feet of his disciples. And later on in that same meal, he then said these words, Who is more important? The one who sits at the table... Or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. So my question is, what do we have that we can give up? What do we cling to that we don't need to cling to? What benefits do we have that we use to our own advantage? Are we ready to serve as Jesus did? Now, we may think we have little to our own advantage, but just the fact that we live in this country uh, gives us so much more than others around the world. We have free health care, some degree of a safety net through the state, four times more COVID vaccines ordered than we have people. We have a safe place to go and sleep in the evening for most of us, I'm sure. Now, I'm not suggesting we give up any of those things, but what can we give up? And how can we better serve each other and God if we're prepared to be humble like Jesus and give up that which we could cling to? The next stage of the journey was the one who was a slave died a humiliating death. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 53. 
He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Throughout his life as a human, he was humiliated. From his birth in a smelly, grotty outhouse where the animals were kept, through to the way he died a criminal's death on the cross. He wasn't given the privilege of a, pain, of a quiet and peaceful death, a natural death, no. He died the most humiliating death, and Alan talked about that on Good Friday, uh, a death that was reserved for slaves and rebels. The Bible even says, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And I also wondered about how he conducted himself in life. Did he walk around looking like he knew he was God? Did he walk around looking like he was sorry for himself because, hey, I was God and now I'm just a human? Probably not either of those, probably somewhere in the middle. Recently, we've been reading with the kids the Lords of the Rings books and, and, we, even, and we watched one of the films with them uh, a couple of weeks back. And um, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of the portrayal of Aragon in those films. If you don't know the film or the, or the books, Aragon is the uh, heir apparent. He's the, he's the guy that should be king of one of the kingdom, kingdoms of Middle-earth, but he's not king yet. And um, he, he comes across as uh, someone who's very quiet, but determined. He has a strong resolve, but he's very, he's very humble. And um, he doesn't lord over the fact that he knows he's going to be king over others. You first meet him in the corner of a room, a smoky pub, looking very calm and um, like he's somebody who's not really, um, definitely doesn't look like a king anyway. His attractiveness is in his determination, his, the way he doesn't grab power, his courage and his love for those around him. Does that sound familiar? Think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours. Christ's humility wasn't a walk all over me kind of humility. It came, contained amazing strength and the courage to go to the cross, which Chris obviously talked about his courage last week. And I did wonder, what was the biggest step for Jesus? What took more humility? Was it to become a human in the first place? Or was it to submit to crucifixion? I don't know, probably wiser people than me might be able to give some suggestions on that. What step do we need to take, what journey maybe do we need to go on that God is calling us on? Are we ready to humbly walk in Christ's shoes and not be afraid to be humiliated for God? The third stage of his journey was the one who died a humiliating death was raised to the highest place. Some of you may know that I work at Worcester Cathedral and we have around the cathedral uh, a few images of Christ in majesty seated in the highest place. For example, we have one at the top of a stained glass window that depicts his life. Uh, and we also have this sculpture that isn't very well known. It's a 13th century sculpture where Jesus was more than twice life-sized. And um, it, would have, it was in the monks' uh, refectory where they would eat their dinners in the, uh, or all their meals 
and it would watch over them while they were eating. Now, it was destroyed in the Reformation, or mostly, and some of it's still there. And we're doing some work to try to uh, uncover a bit more about it at the minute now and conserve it. But um, I find it interesting, the, the thought that, you know, you've got Christ in majesty, uh, seated. Imagine him up there, almost as big as those stairs, watching over you while you eat. But this is where Christ is now, not in a dining hall, not on the cross or in a tomb. He is now in the highest place where God rose him up to, gave him his new value, the highest of all. And this action of God, I would suggest, is not a response just to his death, but to his whole life and career, to the whole humble being of Christ. He has the name above every name, Lord. As the message puts puts it, God honoured him far beyond anyone or anything ever. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. I'm sure like you, our minds are drawn to the image in Revelation where people of every nation and every tongue are praising God. Uh, What a glorious sight. I can't wait for that day. And so Jesus deserved this praise, deserved this position because of his humility, his willingness to set aside, to step down, to go to the lowest place for us all. So what's our response Well, if it's to be humble so we might get, you know, a better deal in life or even death, then I'm going to humbly suggest we've missed the point. Our response could be to recognise what God saw and respond in praise, to bow that knee and lift that tongue in humble adoration. So as we look at the character of Christ, who gave up his divine privileges to become a slave, died a humiliating death and is now in the seat of majesty, we can better see how we might live and live together in the words of Christ himself from Matthew 20 but among you it will be different whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many Christ was different let that be our humble goal let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were not clinging to those divine privileges, but willing to give them up and come down and walk this earth as a human, as a slave, and to give your life for many. We thank you that you you did that for us and pray that our response will be to um, also seek to live humbly, to love each other and to praise you. Amen. Let us pray. We do indeed marvel at your saving grace and the love that led you to leave the glory of heaven, to humble yourself to become a man and stoop to become a servant, to die a humiliating death in our place. Our hearts are filled with gratitude and we praise you for your love and forgiveness, the restored relationship and new life that you offer us now and the prospect of one day seeing you in your glory. So, Father, we bring to you our prayers of request now, knowing that you have the power to act and answer and the love to care about those things which concern us. We pray for those in authority over us, firstly, remembering especially our Queen and the Royal Family. We thank you for their lives of service and particularly at this time for the life of His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. We pray that the Queen and her family 
will know your comfort and strength at this sad time of loss. We ask that you will provide the right people to accompany them in their journey of grief. And we also lift before you in a moment of quiet those known to us and the many around the world who have lost loved ones during this time of COVID pandemic and ask you to comfort and help them in their grief. We ask now for our leaders, both national and international, that they will look to you for wisdom in governing, that they will rule justly and make decisions that care for all, especially the disadvantaged. Give them insights as they try and balance the needs to control the pandemic while still trying to maintain economies. We thank you for the vaccine rollout so far and pray for an even, a more even distribution of the vaccine around the world and for richer countries to be generous in helping with both the vaccine supply and logistics. And there are many places in our world where there's ongoing conflict and tension in addition to the pandemic. We ask, Lord, for a cessation of violence and return to productive negotiations in places such as Syria, the Yemen, Myanmar, and closer to home, we pray that the recent violence and tensions in Northern Ireland will not escalate, but rather that peace will return. And as we think about governance, Lord, we pray for forthcoming elections around the United Kingdom, praying they will result in national and local leaders who will use their powers wisely and fairly and change the world for good. Coming closer to home, we pray for our church here. We thank you for the prospect of having a new vicar and that that is getting closer. And we pray for them as they anticipate taking up this new post. We keep them, guide them, bless and reassure them and prepare them for the work you have for them here. And for us as we wait, will you prepare us to welcome them and work with them so their time here will be a joy and not a burden. We thank you for our leadership team and for all the work they do so faithfully. Please sustain them with your strength and wisdom so that we will be the light and witness in Selly Park that you want us to be. We pray for those known to us who are struggling with various physical, mental or emotional health issues. Those undergoing awaiting surgery or treatment or recovering from it. Those waiting tests and results. Those struggling with loneliness, isolation. We draw close to them and strengthen them to face each day with your presence and love. And may we each do our part in caring for them. And in the quietness we name before you those on our hearts now. And so we ask for ourselves too, that you will help us in the week ahead to live humbly before you, emulating the example of our Saviour, our Lord Jesus and helping us to serve you, serve you and others humbly. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the name that is now high above every name. And we draw our prayers together now using the words that Jesus taught us as we say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, you humbled yourself in taking the form of a servant and in obedience died on the cross for our salvation. Give us the courage to follow you and to proclaim you as Lord and King to the glory of God the Father. And Father, bless us as we go from this place or as we go out for our homes and continue with the day. Help us to know the blessing that you want to pour out on your children and help us to be a blessing to those we meet today and in the coming weeks, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.